a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Alpine Stars Protects on RacerXOnline.com. your continued support of our sponsors we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads click that amazon banner on pole mx to help us out and donate via patreon if it suits you and as always enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us original moto podcast featuring legends of the past stars of today season previews and race reviews introspection opinion facts and laughs here's your host steve mathis welcome everybody to the fly racing racer x podcast this is the atlanta supercross review thank you for listening appreciate it lots to get into when it comes to atlanta i wasn't even there but JT and Weege were, so we can get into that. Flyracing.com, please check them out on the web. The official gear of Blake Baggett, who uh, got a runner-up position in Atlanta. Flyracing.com, it'll be a lot of uh, fun for you to go to the website and check out the, the latest and greatest from those guys. Formula helmet, they're very proud of, and uh, I have one, and I absolutely love it. So thanks to those guys. Also, slickwash.com, go there. They offer easy-to-use wash kits, complete with accessories, and foam gun options at save time. Avoid frustration and leave you feeling secure, confident, and ready for your next ride. Go to uh, slickwash.com. Use the code Steve at checkout, 20% off. Monster Energy Pro Circuit uses Slick Wash, and uh, so do I. Washing my mountain bike the other day. Loved it. And also Alpine Stars Tech 10, the most advanced boot in motocross today. So they've redesigned it for 2019. So go check it out. Tech 7, my boot of choice. Love the Tech 7s. Lots of colors, lots of limited edition stuff. Really cool company, of course, Alpine Stars. You know the name. You know the products. And Maxis. MXST tire developed by the King, Jeremy McGrath. AJ Canton's all running Maxis out in Supercross. So whether it's your light truck, whether it's your trailer, mountain bike, their mountain bike tires are just amazing. MXST tires, think about it when you uh, go to buy your next set of tires. So thanks to those guys at Maxis for coming on board. All right, Atlanta Supercross, lots to talk about with JT and Weege. Here we go. And now, as promised for the Atlanta Supercross Review on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, presented by Maxis Alpine Stars, slickwash.com. My two buddies who were there covering the race, front to back, top to bottom, uh, while I was uh, home here in Las Vegas. First up, from Fly Racing, flyracing.com, two-time German Supercross champion, two-time Montreal Supercross champion, Jason Thomas. What's up, JT? Not much. I, uh, I would ask how your weekend was, but I know it was spectacular because you got a weekend off and you went to see Bob Seeger oh. and you got to do all kinds of things that I would love to do at this point in the season. Uh, if you've been to every round, you're, even if you have fun on the weekend, which I did, you still are longing to wake up on a Saturday morning in your own bed. Oh, it was glorious. Seeger, gambling, booze, late, I late any of that. I just would love to wake up on a Saturday and not have anywhere to be. That hasn't happened in a few months, and we still have a few more months to go. Yeah, listen, you don't go to the outdoors, so I'll be there trudging along. This is the only year I have, will have not gone to the outdoors, or at least half of them. 
So um, we'll pump the brakes on that. Uh, also on the line from Racer X, Racer X Online, the voice of American Motocross, the voice of Flat Track, the voice of Enduro Cross, the voice of Geneva Supercross, the voice of GNCC, the voice of Quad Racing, Jason Wygant. Yeah. What's up, Weege? Yeah, um, it was weird. I have to say, it was weird without you. Like, I don't want to say this too much because when I don't go, you go almost literally insane. So I don't want to make it sound like you're somewhat justified in those emotions. Right. But uh, it was definitely weird. We can get into the ghost town that was the press box over the weekend. Uh, the pits were hard to get in and out of. I didn't really have a companion with me. I had my family, which is like um, turning the Titanic away from a glacier when it comes to moving from place to place. Uh, so that all added up. So, okay. all right. Well, I know it was glorious to be back on a Saturday, but come on back. Well, that's uh, yeah. I'll be back this weekend. Uh, but you need to okay. call your buddy and get us that deal for Daytona. Yeah. Can you? Yeah, do we got to get in the five hundred club. Yeah, yep. do that. Call your buddy. Yep. Get us in okay. there. It was glorious. Um, how was yeah. the uh, Fly Racing Pulp MX show in from the pits without me? Uh, you guys had Bradshaw. How was that? Bradshaw asked about you. He did. Bradshaw. He knows my name. He did. Oh. Nope, he did not refer to you by name. Oh. He said, the boss. Oh. That's I, I was very confused. He said, where's the boss? And I'm like, That's good huh? enough. That's good enough. Damon knows. Um, so how was it? JT, I think he said Springsteen. I did, yeah. I thought it was Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> um, yes. It was good, but after the morning you've given me so far, I the last thing I want to do is give you any sort of credit, but it wasn't. It wasn't as good without you, and trust me, the anger that's inside me right now towards you, that's hard to say. Why? Why are you angry? Why, why are you I'm angry? fairly certain that you and Weege both can understand Well, my anger. I mean, I'm simply asking questions, Why again? Sure you are. Simply yeah. asking questions. That's all. That's all I'm doing. Um, so you had Bradshaw, and by the way, uh, he was a legend and a hero this weekend. Was that- he was. Yeah. He actually had to leave our show uh, halfway through it, and it turned into a two-man show at that point uh, because he had to go prepare for his crowning of becoming a legend and a hero. How has he not been a legend and a hero already multiple times? Yeah, I don't think he's been around. Yeah, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's been doing monster trucks for so long, I don't think he's been able to come to a race to be crowned wow. a legend and a hero. Atlanta and Bradshaw were, were good. I mean, that, you know, that was his people, right? So. Well, that was a lot of our show, and then eventually Damon got tired of having to talk about Damon, and he kind of like nudged us to like, can we stop talking about me in Atlanta? Like, do you want to talk about that for a whole hour? Yes, we do. We do want to talk about yeah, that absolutely. for an hour. Actually, we do. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, what, uh, how was the, um, how was the press box? It was, it was empty? Like, I don't understand. Where was, where was Anton? Where was Pulpamex's own Michael Antonovich? Well, I don't know. Maybe Anton wasn't, I mean, he told me he was shooting photos on the floor, but for all I know, he just no-showed. I'm not sure. He had, he had wads of cash. He had a huge check that he had to cash in the morning. Yep. He had wads of cash to hand out to riders. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> I saw him with a blackjack. At Friday night at the DMXS party, Kevin Kelly shows me this brick of cash that they get from the party, and then Anton shows me this giant check that he has. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on in the races. I'm doing something wrong. Somebody, tw- somebody tweeted him, yeah. a photo of him and said, look, it's Mathis's Levo is really working well. <laughs> he looks like half the guy. <laughs> Uh, so. uh, yeah, press box scenario is weird. We're running into a – it's going to hit this head-on, uh, the Supercross world. Stadiums are changing uh, in a variety of ways, and it doesn't – it works fine for what those buildings are designed for, you know, football games and such. 
But uh, this goes way back to our discussions of Ping years and years ago of he liked the old Qualcomm Stadium in the San Diego suburbs right. with a gigantic parking lot. You know, they moved that race downtown, these old stadiums. They don't build them out in the suburbs anymore. Security is getting tighter and tighter. You know, they want barcodes of everybody that goes in. If you have a season credential like, like we do, it doesn't really jive with that. Um, they're checking bags more than ever at these buildings. It's, uh, it's just getting harder and harder to do the normal status quo supercross. It's really becoming a square peg in a round hole. I don't think there's a solution. It's just the way these buildings are. Security is getting tighter. Yeah, I mean, last, the buildings are downtown. The last, crazy. last year's security stories from everyone in the industry, they sounded horrible. I didn't go last year. I missed this race also. And uh, I'm so glad I, it sounded horrible. Like, I get it. Security is needed, but... There's got to be some way for people with hard cards, some secret entrance, some hard card. I don't know. I don't know how you do it, but, I mean, come on. There's people really working. There's people trying to do their jobs, you know, and I don't know. My question would be, I understand that, you know, the people that have these weirdo Supercross season credentials, that's like 5% of the people in the stadium. So I understand that doesn't jive. But what I wonder is, so for the NFL, for example, there's whoever's playing on the road, whoever's playing against the Falcons that weekend in this building. They've got to have full-time staffers, too, that didn't get their ticket from Ticketmaster. So how does that work? Do they have, you know, lanyard hard card credentials that don't yeah. have, you know, no, Ticketmaster do. barcodes? Like, how does that part work for them? Yep, they have credentials. They, they're usually in these big holders, clear plastic holders. They're yeah. really big, you know. But, uh, yeah, yeah, you've seen them on, in TV. So. Well, and, JP, it's not like we couldn't get in or, or anything like that, but it's just the – I mean, it was almost 45 minutes to go from press box to pits and back, which, cry me a river, that's not what most fans even care about. But it is more difficult than it used to be at these races. I have seen uh, in these in press boxes and in stadiums a, you know, a legend for NFL uh, passes. Basically, you know, you know they have the printout papers everywhere you go that show uh, media, press box, track, access, blah, blah, blah. Well, I've seen the, the NFL ones, too, and they are – they are much more uh, detailed than the Supercross ones. There's a lot of different access points and levels for those. I saw it. It was actually in Minneapolis. I saw theirs. Hmm. Now, um, we're, listen, a lot of times the press boxes in these stadiums are glorified parties. Uh, people have had laptops stolen. People have had people spill beer on them. You know, Sean Brennan at Feld has tried to do a good job of separating the media on one side. But it's often like a really hard place to work. Now it sounded like this weekend uh, it was, and, and we ran into this at uh, at Glendale too. Um, so that these stadiums are selling the press box seats, uh, and they're being way way stricter, which is the opposite of what we've been talking about. So it sounds like they've gone one str- one extreme to another. What Weege? Well, I don't know if that means that it's any less strict. I mean, those people that. We've seen how these parties in the press box, they paid for that. They were allowed up there. It's not like they just broke in. No. So, yeah, but yeah. It's just changing. I think stadiums, we've heard so much about, you know, people would rather watch races or games at home. They're trying to make the stadium experience much more special and VIP. So why not? I mean, these new stadiums have ginormous press boxes. Why not sell a more expensive ticket and a much greater experience to sit up there? So I get all that. There's nothing Supercross is going to be able to do about it. It's just... Mechanics, like, I heard mechanics had to have their backpacks, you know, checked every time they went into the building. But if you're a stadium, why would you be allowing random people who you've never seen in your life, oh, he's got a backpack and he's got this thing around his neck. I guess he can bring whatever weapon he wants in the stadium. We won't check. Like, I get, I don't know how you're going to not have this 
continue to get. No, uh, I don't know more. if I agree with that. They, Feld, rents, Feld rents the stadium. Like, we rent it. We, we are paying oh. you a big check. This is our place for the weekend. Um, we, Dude. We need to get these. We got to get this stuff handled. We need to get this stuff handled. You think police handled. care about that? Police? It's security. It's it's. It's it's security. yeah, but I don't think the secure. I don't think this is the owner of the Falcons making this rule. Like this is like well, Georgia is saying this, or the state sports commission is saying, yeah, we're not letting five thousand people just randomly walk in and out of this stadium with backpacks on all day long. Well, I, I, just, no, I'm talking yeah. about I'm talking about mechanics. Like like there's got to be you know mechanics. So two hundred mechanics, yeah. you know, a hundred mechanics, whatever whatever it is. Right, right. Those people, not yeah. not not fans and all that. I get that. I just. Yeah. I, there's got to be like, look, if this stuff happens, and it was better than last year, right? It was better than last it year. It was, but yeah, it was. But if you're a fan, you're just you're not going to go. If you if you can't go back and forth from the pits without really, you know, without some basic security keeping you a little bit, you know, delaying you just a little bit instead of 45 minutes, you'll just stay home and watch it on live HD TV, which is something every sport is battling with. I don't think it affects with. them. I don't think it affects them very much. Like yeah. it's one time you bring your. They're, first of all, they're probably not even bringing stuff like we are. We're not. They're bringing backpacks with laptops and cameras or mechanics. No, but stuff. if it's forty-five so, minutes, if it's forty-five minutes that you were saying to go back and forth. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the average fan, how many there in the afternoon compared to night, and don't even bother going back and forth. Or if they maybe they go to the pits once and they never bothered. They're not shuttling back and forth four or five times a day like us. I'm not sure how much it affects them. To me, it's just the small. Industry people that go to all these events fitting into the inf- infrastructure is just tough. Well, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Know. So, like JT, how did your VIP program work then? Because you normally sit in the press box. Yeah, it was good. Uh, we had advance notice. I, I caught wind of this a long time ago um, in speaking with Feld because they've been really generous with us. Um, so, yeah, I made I made prior arrangements and uh, bought club seats and. It was still fine. I mean, obviously, it's not the perfect scenario, but mm-hmm. uh, I kind of knew this was coming. So um, I think the for me, it's it's not a big deal. Or for our VIP program, it's just what we have to work around. But I think the bigger issue is that the stadiums are now trying to uh, take these things away. So for media or people, you know, sponsors that those VIP access points like a press box are written into the deal – now to not have that available is an issue. That's a bigger issue. Forget me, take me out of the equation, but sponsors, media, people right. that yeah. are supposed to be in there and they're not allowed to go in there, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Imagine if you're some big wheel that, you know, wrote a big check to Feld and you got this pass and you go up there and it's like, no, nah, sorry. You're like, what? Huh? So Yeah, I can I can relate. So anyways, um all right. Well Do you guys catch the MXGP by the way? Uh, not all of it yet. I'm halfway through. Oh, boy. That Caroli guy. He's really good. Think about it. Think about how good Caroli is, and then think about there's this guy named Jeffrey Hurlings that won 17 out of 19 rounds last year. Yep. yep. <laughs> That's the crazy part, is that yep. as good as he is, he had nothing for Hurlings last year. Right. Um, I wrote a column. So let's get into the race. Uh, I wrote a column for... I don't even know. Oh, it was my OBS column. <laughs> uh, I just, I, I don't even know anymore. So I wrote about the tracks last week, and I wrote about this meeting that the riders had with Feld and Dirtworks and how the tracks, you know, we had a lot of Glendale layout, which I blame Wygant for because he said that last year. Just build that every week, and they, they, they did for a lot of cases. But Yeah, they did. But but it's been good. The, the stuff has provided good racing. 
they slipped this week, in my opinion. Again, I want there. I'm watching it on TV. JT, I little. I mean, nice to leave the whoops big. Nice to do that. They didn't flatten them. They were definitely challenging, which I like. But other than that, not a fan of this track. Yeah, I liked certain parts of it and other parts I didn't. Um, the sand section was ridiculous. You can't just have a continuous right-hand corner through the sand. Like, at literally, I'm going to say literally and conservatively, I had 10 people that I could overhear or say directly to me that this is this is not going to work. It's just going to be one line on the inside and everyone else is screwed and why would they do this and yada, yada, yada. The same point being made over and over. I hate to see that stuff because it was completely preventable, uh, but yeah, that's what we had. Um, the other part, I think, was the dirt was really soft, especially in the corners. Uh, so I think, you know, the lime issue is, has this ripple effect of not hardening the dirt up more. Uh, so the rhythm sections are really difficult. You saw guys in the corners, they were basically having to pick a rut and then they were locked into the rut and to basically to make a block pass or anything of the sort, you had to just blast a guy because you had to jump three ruts to get to him. And that guy was coming down in the rut where maybe he could float outwards a little bit and avoid contact. It just changes all of that when you have ruts all the way through the corner. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think it was necessarily all their fault. You know, some of it was track design, and a lot of it was just the dirt kind of causing one line and, and follow the leader. There wasn't much going on out there, it looked like, watching it back. You know, no, um, and, and like I said, it was there was there were several factors to it. Some they could control, yeah. and some they couldn't. Over under though, uh, but yeah, it wasn't. There wasn't a lot of wasn't a lot of passing when when you would have thought that there would have been. There there were certainly situations where guys were close enough. I mean, Marvin was all over Cooper several times, and there was just yep. seemed like nowhere he could go. We saw the Tomac Reed thing, which we'll get into, but there were a lot of situations just like, man, there he just cannot find a way around. Uh, over under though, I feel like the track was okay in the beginning of the day, and as always, the two rhythms were actually pretty tough for people to get right. But as the, they had to change it because the track was getting rutted and it was getting more difficult, and then dudes were crashing. Then I hear all these people on Twitter saying, "Why would they change it? Make the obstacles challenging?" And I'm like, "Yeah, but I'm watching people get hurt bad. Like they've got to do it." So I think the layout, besides the sand turn. And the obstacles held promise to work out. It just didn't work out. So I'm just careful when we blame these tracks. Like, you know, the track designers, they don't live in a perfect world. Like, many of the obstacles they probably figured would work or corners they figured work didn't happen to turn out the way they had hoped. I mean, that long rhythm lane, JT, after the start, they wanted it to have options. They wanted it to present passing. They were thinking about passing as they built it. It just didn't work out in the race, you know? Yeah, I think the ruts really uh, toned down some of the <laughs> the options and the um, ambition is the word I was looking for. Uh, if it had been hard-packed, and I, I'll go back to the lime again, if, if it had been, let's say, 20 or 30% harder and held up, I think guys would have been willing to take a chance on going big in there, maybe even tripling in, definitely going 2-3, uh, but when you have ruts on the takeoffs and ruts on the landings, it gets really dicey on guys, you know, taking chances. They, they kind of have to go to the, the most obvious line in that scenario. Well, but they brought the line back for Detroit. The riders voted on that and said they could use it in Detroit, so I don't know. I didn't see a lot of lime in Atlanta. I could be wrong. Right. And maybe, maybe they needed to use more, but right. it was definitely. Well, hold on. The way it is is they, they agreed that lime could be used in the storage facility, like when they're first scooping up the dirt on Wednesday. 
but they're not putting it on the track once the track is built. Now, I'm not sure in Atlanta if they use it at all, but in Detroit, that's where they decided. We'll do it on Wednesday, but we are not putting lime once the track is built within the stadium. So I don't know. I don't know if that's what had the effect on it or not, but that's, mm. it's like a half-lime situation, I guess. Well, okay, so Webb won. Okay. Weege, wouldn't you agree, though, that the track could have used it being applied after it was laid down? Because I, I would say it's a no-brainer. Yeah, well, no doubt we've seen Atlanta. I mean, we know what Atlanta 1995 was like, and we've seen Atlanta get much, much harder uh, in previous years than it was this year. So obviously there are other tricks they could use, and they didn't use them or couldn't use them. But for sure we've seen harder-packed Atlantas in the last decade than this. So to me, yeah, that's got to indicate something. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I want to say one of the Reed RC years, we showed up and Atlanta was Phoenix. And I was like, what? Yeah. What the hell has happened to Atlanta? <laughs> it was literally dusty, rock hard. And yeah, dusty. you're just like, this is not the Atlanta that I know for sure. But So Webb wins, and as you mentioned, uh, Moose Cam was all over him at times, and Baggett got Marvin when Marvin made a mistake. But And look, I'm not going to take – we'll talk about Cooper in a second, but Tomac, Roxon, Marv, Baggett, Webb all win with a whole shot, do you think? Um, hard to say. You know, I, I think Webb did a really good job of of fending off the, the challenges. So it's, I think it would have been situational. I don't think you can argue against it very well. But I think Cooper has proven this year that he's very good at riding from the front. And when people get on his rear wheel, he doesn't fold. So I, I don't know. You know, I, would Blake have been able to hold off Marv? You know, because they all had strengths and weaknesses throughout the track where they were better than each other. Um, but when you look at the track, how hard it was to pass, maybe, yeah, it just it would have been interesting to see. But the overall, I think your overall point is is good that all three of them were great and probably would have would have won giving their you know Cooper start. Five wins, uh, thirteen points, Weege. We're we're we're, uh, we're nine rounds down. We have eight left. Uh, yeah. Are you asking a question here, or you just want me to just take it from here? Where, where are we going? Yeah. Where are we going? Well, look, I've been saying this the last couple of weeks. I know we're only yes, we're going to Daytona, and the ironically, the championship begins at Daytona. But there is no proof that the championship begins at Daytona. I cannot think off the top of my head Roman. of a single championship run where a dude Roman. was hanging back third. Hmm? What? Billman and RC. Yeah, RC took the points lead there. Yeah, that was where the championship started. Right. Well, uh, well, Carmichael had the points lead there, so it was done. I want to see this mythical Supercross season where a dude was down like 20 points halfway through the year and then just started clicking off this hellacious win streak starting at Daytona and chipped away and chipped away and chipped away. And then by the final round of the season, he finally takes the points lead and wins the title. The closest we saw to that was probably Tomac in 17, but he actually had started winning by round uh, well, four. Not to mention Daytona. And he still didn't win the title. Not to mention Daytona but, has been round seven before. It's been round ten. It's been round eight. It's it's the, the mythical yeah. the mythical round of Daytona has been a different round a, a lot of years. I don't right. understand this. And if you look at Ricky's championship seasons, he won at the beginning of the year and just worked everybody he at the did. beginning he of the did. year. I think I think there's revisionist <laughs> history to be like he was East Coast guy and he he struggled in the hard pack because he didn't win Anaheim one, but then he'd often win round two. Yeah. And then, like, in 05, he won five in a row. He won five of the first six, so he didn't win Anaheim one. So, And I'm not even pointing this just to Carmichael. I'm just saying, we, as I've said in this show the last three or four weeks, 
This is how this normally works. The first couple rounds are pure chaos. Someone starts to separate themselves, and once they separate themselves, it is over. Now, it could be, you know, he could hurt his ankle riding this very afternoon. Well, like or Tom like, Roxon could go on a win streak. It's very much possible that it's not over, but this is normally how it works. Well, we don't have those dicks from Transworld to take Cooper Webb for a photo shoot like they did with Villeman. <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Wasn't DV in the lead going into Daytona? Yeah, no, he was in the. He had a twenty-six point lead. He crashed. He toughed it out, and he was still leading by one or two points after Daytona. Yeah, so that's my answer to Weege. There you go. There's there's your example. But that, yeah, but I don't think Carmichael is talking about the series begins with one massive Daytona crash or crash right before Daytona, changing everything. It's more of you just get podiums in the first half of the year hang back, and then you start winning like a madman. But that wasn't happening. Carmichael was already winning races before we got to Daytona that year. To me, once somebody seizes momentum around round five or six, it's their title. It's so, happening okay, way before well, Daytona, listen, and it's already happened. Stop arguing about 15 years ago. Are we, is, this, is, this, is this it for Webb? Under normal circumstances, it is. Obviously, anything can happen in racing. Dude. But I'm saying this is it. I'm saying this is it. Sure, he could break his ankle today, I understand. Well, I know. But yes. I'm saying this is it. We all know yeah. that. JT likes to couch Right, I just don't want someone, if he hurts his ankle this week, saying, ha, 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 you morons. Like, this is what Anderson did last year. This is what everybody does every year. You get control before the halfway mark, and it's over. Yeah, but last year, you can't even consider last year the same. Those oh, guys were boy. so far out of the points after, like, round four. It was, to me, it was totally J- different. JT continues to shit on Webb. Continues. Oh. You are. I don't know what your problem is with me today, but it's. I don't have a problem with you. I've had enough. <laughs> you are. Well, are you closer? You got to be closer to jumping on this web web thing. You have to be. Absolutely, I am. Okay, I, but I don't think you can compare last year and this year when Roxon's hurt. Tomac's got a bum shoulder and misses several rounds to DNF. Muscan has a hurt shoulder, misses Houston. Like it, it's completely different than last year, but that doesn't have anything to do with whether Webb's been great or not. I just think the championship picture is totally different than what Jason Anderson was facing. Okay, but it's totally different than Anderson, but is, it, is this – where are we at with Webb and the title? Like what percent pie right now does he win this thing? Oh, I would say, you know, well over 50%. Oh, I'd, been I'd, go, more, I'd go more than that. We each... said well over, okay, 70%, whatever you want. I, I don't have a hard number for you, but I think also would you say this is true is if – you said, okay, we're at going into round 10, right? This is round 10, Daytona. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. And you had said Cooper Webb had won. That's five for Cooper? Yes. Right? Yep. And he would have, what is his point of lead, 13? 13. Yeah. If you said, okay, he's going to win half the races going into round 10, but he's only going to lead by 13, would you say that's likely or unlikely? Mm, likely. Really? <laughs> you would win half the ra- five out of 10 and only be winning by 13. I would say that's pretty unlikely. We, we, he doesn't want a very big lead at that point. We, he's not going to go there still. He's still not going to go there. He's not. I see JT's point though. Normally, you see somebody winning that many races, they have a twenty-five yeah, I, or I, more. I only point said, lead. I only said yeah. likely to piss him off even more. That's all I said. Okay. Um, I, I just know that whether it's similar to Anderson last year or not, the <laughs> amount of times I've seen someone have this level of control over the series into Daytona. And then someone else flips the momentum completely. And then they win the five or so down the stretch to win the title. By the way, Chad Reed did it. He won, what, the last six in 2003. But it was too late. 
still didn't win the title. So it's just these guys can say that they want podiums or it's points or I'm just trying to get to the halfway mark. Look, we know how this works internally. When these top dudes are not winning races, it freaking fries them. There is internal strife and the bike and this and that and drama. It's very difficult for someone else to win five races and not collect all this confidence and all this momentum or whatever you want to call it and then have that bubble burst. These other dudes, like if you're rocking right now, you've got to be at the point where you're scratching your head like, what is going on? I think, did you guys dig into Kenny and his flu last week? Is that holding him back? Is it, do you know, did anybody get to the bottom of that? No, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But I'm just saying, once you win this much like Webb is doing, it's that whole mental game, confidence, momentum stuff no, that we talk about. I, listen, He's got it. I w- yeah. what did I say after, where the hell we were? Arlington. Arlington. What? I mean, yeah. I was on this show going, that. that's it. That's the championship ride. That's what happens. This thing's flipping. This is what's going to go on. And then in, in Detroit during practice, someone was sending texts saying, look, this is not good. It's not going well for Webb. Look at him. How do you feel? You know, what about your big talk on this pod? And he salvaged this second, which everyone on this phone call gave him a ton of credit for. And now he wins. Like, it's not over, but, dude. It's kind of over. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, man, I wish it didn't work this way. I wish there, 13 points is not a lot. I wish it wasn't a lot. I wish it was still up for grabs. I wish that starting this weekend, Roxon wins four in a row and chips away and we got a tie late in the season. But we've just, to me, I've seen this enough to know that rarely is how it works, where a guy is this good early and someone else just 180 degrees flips it the other direction. That's all I'm saying. I, I'm just not I'm, – I think he wins a title. I think that's fair to say, and I think he has earned that and he deserves that. But I don't agree with Steve saying it's basically over. Like, I just – I don't think so. I don't, I don't see how you can with, what, eight rounds left? I don't see how you can say it's basically over with three guys within, like, 20 points or whatever the number is. That doesn't seem uh, – to give the series its due to me. Do you think – just I'm going to take a name out. Do we think that in the Eli Tomac camp they're in position to put their best stuff down right now? Or are they, like, in mired in strife, like, what is going on? Why is this happening? Well, was it- I think that's the problem. It gets inside anyone's camp, mind, head, whatever, because everything just keeps rolling for one guy, and the other guys are pounding their heads against the wall because it just keeps not working out for whatever reason, and that affects them. I mean, it was – Eli? Yeah. Yes. But he's got way more issues than Cooper. He's getting sixth on the weekend. Like, I think your point, yes, Eli's not in a great place right now, but it's not even about yeah. him beating Cooper or not. It's about him even getting on the podium. Like, that's, that seems to be a challenge on a lot of weekends. What happened in the heat? Eli. With that. Uh, Tomac and Reed? Yeah. Go ahead, Weege. Let's, let's hear your perspective. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, we definitely have to talk about this one. So, look, I, I think Reed is one of the best guys I've ever seen, maybe the best I've ever seen, at somehow not riding dirty, but riding dirty. Like, he doesn't do anything dirty. Now, I don't know about the knockdown in the sand. I, I hate having to make judgment calls on this. Maybe he took him out, maybe he didn't, I don't know. I'm talking about the seven previous pass attempts by Tomac, where Reed, he's so smart, he's so experienced, he knows three turns in advance where you're setting him up. And just as that pass begins to materialize, his bike is in front of you. He doesn't cut you off. He doesn't ram you. He doesn't brake check you. He's just there. He's so good at it. But all these people on Twitter are blasting me saying, 
Tomac needs to get more aggressive. Tomac's a mental midget. Tomac, move him. Get him out of the way. I'm like, dude, you don't understand what you're dealing with here. Like, this is – it is not easy, especially on this track, to just go around Chad Reed. Like, Reed was magically everywhere Tomac wanted to go. So, that one – I put a lot of that on Reed's basic ability to play defense and the track, then Eli screwed something up. I think the, I do. the knockdown was just a racing incident. I don't think there was anything on Yeah, purpose. I have no opinion. I don't know. You're right. probably right. I don't know. Right. Yeah. JT? Um, I agree with you on the track and Chad. It was like the perfect combination of a very difficult track to pass and then a guy who's very good at protecting where you're going to go. or he, he knows where passes are possible, so he's going to be hyper-vigilant in those areas and basically you know, disallow you to take the, the line to pass. Um, the incident with Tomac, I mean, eh, it wasn't crazy dirty, but he definitely w- left his line and went into Tomac's line and made contact. So do with that what you want. Um, if I was Tomac, I, I wouldn't have been happy. But, yeah, it's, it's part of it. Now, some people argue they're like, look at how quickly Savachi passed Chad. So it's not Chad, it's on Eli. But the only reason Savachi was able to get Reed so quickly is because Reed was working so hard to block Tomac that Savachi basically got a two-for-one pass. That got him set up side-by-side with Reed, which Tomac was never able to get that angle. He was never able to get next to him. He was always behind him. That's yeah. why Savachi was able to pass Chad, because Chad couldn't play defense on two guys at once. Well, but his yeah. ability to block dudes is incredible. Yeah, if, if Chad knew that Savachi was there, he would, that would have never happened. But he was worried about Eli, not Joey. He didn't even know Joey was there, I would, I would yeah. guarantee. Well, so, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. Eli's yeah. whole night, Starts with that, and then, therefore, his starting position isn't good, and he doesn't get the start, right? And he comes around in 13th in the first lap or something, and then that's it, right? I mean, that's... that's yeah, but you've, you've got to think, for him, if you're hoping to win this title, and you're as fast as Eli Tomac has proven to be at times, which we know hasn't been every time, you're 13th, you've got to get better than 6th. That just that's, has to be a fact. You cannot get 6th place. You know, when for Eli, he you have the ability in the main event to kind of look around a little bit. You can look over the triple, especially in the first couple laps, and see who's out front. Uh, you kind of gauge what's going on in the race around you and see, you know, is there a lot of urgency? I need to get to the front because the leaders are going to be gone. You know who's winning. For him, like if he saw Savachi out front, that's going to give him a little bit of comfort. But, okay, he's, that's not who I'm worried about. Maybe I'll have time to get there. But when he looks up and sees – the combination of Marvin and Webb out front, that's full panic. Like, he's got to go. With everything, urgency, every bit of urgency he can muster, he's got to get to the front. And he's just not hes not able to do that. You can't get sixth in the, in the points hole he's in. Even though it's not a massive hole, going into the race he was 13 down, you, you can't let Webb and Marvin get on the podium and you get sixth. That just can't happen. Well, he's 22 down with, yep. as we said, but I'm saying in the beginning, you know, when he's right. looking up and, and gauging right. where everyone is, he knows he's 13 down. He can't let those guys put another 10 up on him. You just can't can't let that happen. You know, we're we're past midway in the season. That's every round's counting more and more importantly now. Plus, I'd throw in, we know how dangerous Tomac can be when he gets on a roll. Like as good as Webb has been, you know, there. I don't know if he knows. Well, dude, if he rides like he did at Detroit, I don't know if I got anything for him. But both times that Tomac's won races this year. And then we heard, oh, they changed the setup. They got him comfortable now. Look out. Here it comes. Both times he followed those wins with sixth. So that takes a lot of pressure off, a lot of worry. 
if you're any of these other guys are like, yeah, I don't have to worry about him going nuts one night because he keeps throwing down a sixth after he wins. So a little, that's a little less nerves I feel to deal with if you're, if you're the points leader because you just let Eli be Eli sometimes and you don't have to worry about him points-wise. I think his contract is up this year, Eli. I wonder. Yeah, I don't know. They announced it as a multi-year extension. Yeah. I never knew what. Yeah. Is it two or three? I don't know. I don't know. I just wonder if things keep going. You know, he only gets three wins this year, loses the title. If they start looking elsewhere, but where else would they look and where else would they go? Right? But, um, yeah. Well, they have the option of a complete youth movement and just having Savachi and Adam. But, look, he's got three wins right now. We all know he could have. No, he's got two wins. I, I just assumed he would get one more. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, but you could assume he gets five more with this guy. I don't know. You never man. know. Yeah. You're not seeing it. I've been I've been pushing the Tomac train pretty hard. I know. You know, and I, know. I, I just yep. Yeah. It's been weird. Um Yep. And Roxon, yeah, Roxon had an off night, but again the start was so important. Baggett and Marvin. I mean they were right there. Roxon and A P were right there, but what are you gonna do on the track like that? Didn't seem like they could make any gains, you know? By the way, Aaron Pleasinger, fifth fifth place, season best. Good job for AP. And that was even with a crash, too. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, coming on the Pulp Mech Show tonight to celebrate that fact. Cool. Uh, Savachi, yeah, no, didn't get a start. Dino qualified second, third overall. Um, didn't get the start. I guess yeah, we just he, was, he was really good all day. As, yeah. as impressive as it is to where he qualified, yeah. if you weren't there to watch it, uh, it was he was – Better than even that sounds. He yep. was really impressive. I honestly thought he had a very good chance at the podium, but like you said, the, the start was super critical. Um, Baggett, JT, what was the report on, on Blake afterwards? Just happy? Well, well. happy. I, I think happy mixed with um, a bit of frustration because he knows he's good enough to win, kind of the same as the final main event of Detroit. Um, he's doing everything he can to win. And obviously, you know, he, he beat Marvin, which was awesome, and tried to make a run on Cooper again. Uh, but, yeah, it just seems like to steal one of Weege's NASCAR terms here, track position is so critical and these guys are so close. Unless you're willing to go in and make hard contact to make a pass, it just seemed like it was tough to do. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, obviously second place is a great result, and he's fifth in points now, so uh, I'm sure he'll take it going into a race that we would think should be a, a highlight for him, which is Daytona. The 800 was back, Weege. The 800 was back. Yes, I was uh, I was impressed. I did not think he would make the main event. Really? I, I didn't. Oh, I thought he was a shoe in and I actually thought he really? did worse than I thought. Yes, he did worse. I thought for sure. Whole shot in the LCQ was kind of a no-brainer for me. Making the main? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, well, I figured either whole shot in the heat race and just kind of hold on. Or whole shot, and if that didn't work out, then whole shot in the LCQ, and then there's there's just not enough guys that are better than him. Like he's still too fast in most sections. Okay, yeah, the whoops are a huge liability for him, but he's he's still good in the other sections. And the track was so technical that he's got a ton of experience. And yeah, I I wasn't worried about him making the main personally. Well, I got the last spot in, so I was just worried that he he hadn't raced in basically two years, and I just thought that he had already resigned himself to I'm done with Supercross. So I just didn't think in his first race back he'd be this sharp. Uh, yeah, the whoops were bad, but otherwise he rode fine. And I'm also pumped. Like, I love when guys just live up to their reputation. Like, seeing Mike on his gate, having the gate right next to the box in the LCQ, I was like, that is gold right there. <laughs> like, I just, he will just get that gate. 
me, when you look at the guys that are qualifying, um, you know, Jared Wesher, Casey Brennan, uh, Carlin Gardner, you know, there's Ronnie Stewart. There are several guys that, you know, they don't have anywhere near the credentials or experience of Michael Essie. That's, that's where I really got to is like, he's just, even in his later years now, he's a step above those guys. He's just done it too many times and he'll figure out a way. Just like when I race, so you, you know how to do it. You find, you find opportunities and you know how to get into the main event. Like, I just couldn't see him not getting in. How was your conversation with him about his uh, new addition to his family, JT? I went really well. Yeah? Really, really well. <laughs> um, Subaros came, showed up. Subs is doing the Teddy Parks thing, Teddy Parks experience. I believe. Do we know? Uh, I don't know, I don't know. if he's there or not. He he had a weird race though. Like his heat race was horrible. Like mm-hmm. he should have qualified pretty easily in the heat and went backwards really fast. And I'm like, uh oh, we we have a problem here because he was not even close. And then in the LCQ, he got a good start and it was like really easy for him. He mm-hmm. rode really well. He had no pressure on him. It was a totally different race. So I don't know if it was he was just rusty or what was going on, but, uh, yeah, decent race for him. And that's a, that's a track and those conditions are similar to what he would see in Europe at most of the races he does in the winter. So I'm sure he felt fairly at home and on that track. Good night for Bowers beat Reed and Bogle for 12th. Good, good job for him. Uh, Justin Hill 11th. I think that's a, that's an improvement when he usually is the last factory guy. So good job for Hill there. Uh, a Ray was ahead of Chisholm at some point and his whole goal is to beat Chiz. And he can never do it because Chiz is Chiz. Do you know what happened? Did he crash? I didn't talk to him. I, I was so I was so enamored with the battle at the front. I I did not. Okay. I saw him ahead of Chiz, and I and it passed through my head like here's your shot. But I didn't follow. I didn't watch anything later than that. Good job for Jared Lesher. He was like fifth in the heat. I'm like what? And he was like staying there. Like good job for Jared Lesher. First main event for him from PA, I guess. Uh, yeah, he rides. I, uh, Go ahead. I, I want to ask about that, watching that battle up front. Now, JT, you and I were there watching from afar. I feel like it was good, like it was tense, like they were close. And I'm like, what is going to happen? And you're watching, like, each section. Like, Marvin Bagger were going a little wider into that rhythm after the long start stretch. And Webb is going inside. And they were making up a little ground. And you're like, maybe they could set something up with the whoops. But on TV, Mathis, did it come across that way? Or did it was no. like, yeah. No, it didn't come across that way. <laughs> so weird how yeah. that works yeah it was yeah. it was like eh. like yeah like i don't know like because you could see the three guys in the screen and then you could see roxon and plessinger's fenders right there you're just like yeah i don't know i don't feel like anybody's yeah. doing anything like nothing's happening you uh-huh. know so yeah to me it was good i thought it was tense and i'm like what's gonna happen what's gonna happen because um, they would catch him so easily marv yeah. bumped into him lost ground and within a lap and a half was already back on his rear wheel look i'm um, still yeah. i'm still on the wacko train but we're we're taking on water here Parts are flying off. Uh, you know, I'm still on it, but we, we, we've got – we're getting attacked by pirates. You know, uh, things are happening that you were – like I said, JT, it's, it's, getting, it's, getting, it's getting rocky. The seas are getting rocky. I think I've had enough of uh, fantasy Zach Osborne for this year. Love him. <laughs> I think he's a great person. I am very uh, proud to have him wearing fly racing, but he and I on a fantasy level are not in a good position. <laughs> His bike broke, though, right? He did not crash? Uh, yes, but then he got it fixed, and then he went back out, and I was like, okay, good, just go. And then he did not just go. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think it was really all his fault, but it did not did not pan out. 
we're taking on water here, folks. We got, we're bailing out. We got our pump. Things are still, we're still moving forward, but we're still waiting. So it's tough, though. Yeah, it's tough to jump in, but. Uh, I, you know what I think really was the crux of the problem was he started on the very inside gate of the main event, mm-hmm. and he didn't have much of a choice because he crashed at the first turn of the heat race. But as soon as he lined up there, I even texted one of our other group messages and said, uh, Osborne's going to have a bad main event. He's on the very inside gate, and this is going to go very poorly because you're, there's just – I didn't really see any good possibility of a start. And then, yeah, he was pretty much last. Or he may have even been fully last coming out of the first turn. Um, I, uh, I wish he would have maybe gone to the very outside. I, I felt like there was a better chance out there. Roxon did that, and he got a very good start in the main just the very inside, everybody was getting pinched off, and then you just had to go, you know, half a mile an hour around the whole first turn. Just didn't seem like you had any chance at all. I hate that inside gate. I, I just, I don't like it. I've never liked it. It's ridiculous. It was especially bad this weekend. Right, right. RV used to go there too. That was his move. I'm like, what are you doing? Nick, Nick Way also. Um, I just texted Zach right now. Supercross is hard, huh, Zacho? <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a dick. I wanted uh, to add something. I, I keep jumping in. I'll let Weech talk. But I wanted to add something with the Jared Lesher thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's been riding in Georgia a lot. He's doing really well. That was an impressive ride. And I was the same as you. I saw him. He was wearing the red, white, and blue Evo stuff. And I'm like, looked at the timing. I'm like, he can't be in fifth. And then I'm like, holy crap, he is in fifth. And I, then I was excited he had fly, fly on. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, good he deserves a lot of credit because he had some pressure at the end of that heat race and he didn't, he didn't falter. And to make a 450 main event yeah. anywhere near like five, six or seven in the heat is, is really impressive. So now, someone, someone sent me a message that said that was his only third supercross ever, which I feel like it wasn't. I feel like I've seen him more than that, but maybe not. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know that, but I know he rode really well in that heat race. Yeah. Good job for, for Jarrett Lesher. Um, okay. All right. Anything else? 450 class. Nope, championship's over, apparently. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. I, I just want to find this mythical season where a dude's taking thirds and fourths or sixths every weekend, but mentally he's in a great spot, and he's just about to unleash hellfire and fury. Just it never happened. Just stand 92. Uh, he was just getting, like, thirds and fourths every weekend all year, and then Bradshaw would crash three or four times and score zero points. Yep, there you go. You just wanted one. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't think it's over, but I like Cooper Webb's odds. Yeah, of course. I, I do, too. I just – I am trying to maintain some sort of anticipation and excitement for the rest of the series because I – man, I – it's so improbable after the last two years that he's just going to come in. And, and if you think he's going to win this championship, if he's won five out of ten, it goes to reason that he's going to end up winning eight or nine races. Is that fair to assume at this yeah. point? Yeah, yeah, That's a hell of a lot of races after wow. the last two years we've seen. Can, it'll he's be, never won one before, and then he comes out and just wins eight or nine. It'll, like that. it'll be the most unexpected championship since Jeremy in 93. And in, to add to that, Jeremy didn't have two sub. I'm gonna. I don't want to use the word awful, but I feel like I no, should. not awful. I would not use the word awful. And and I don't think that's fair. But that was the first word that popped into my mind. No, he got podium here and there. I would not use the word awful. But it wasn't not good. good. They were not, <laughs> not good about that. Yeah. Average. Yeah. Average. 
Uh, go average. <laughs> Nobody's even going to go average. <laughs> okay. Dude, he was like a ni- he's gone from like a ninth place guy to a first place guy. Like that's practically unheard of. I don't know, but I'm signing up for the Alden Baker program next year because it might take my journalism to new levels. <laughs> so, all right, um, Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by Maxis uh, MXST tire used by the Cat Cantonzaro, developed by Jeremy McGrath. Uh, out available now, so please check that out. Alpine Stars as well. Uh, Alpine Stars protects. Simply, uh, you know the name, you know the product that they use. And then SlickWash.com. New guys on us. Uh, Monster Energy Pro Circuit uses this. I use this as well. Just washed my mountain bike the other day with SlickWash. Uh, so use the code Steve to save at SlickWash.com. And also, we want to thank the folks at Racetech. Pulp19 is the code. Get your suspension some love. Get your motor work uh, done there. Get your motor uh, uh, just serviced up at Racetech.com. Ben LeMay, using Racetech and uh, many other privateers, privateer proven uh, with the folks at Racetech. Chris Blos as well, uh, using Racetech. So thanks to those guys. And Fly Racing, flyracing.com. Please check them out on the web. All right, let's go to 250s now, the shootout slash showdown. Um, we should have probably started with this, maybe. It's exciting. Uh, some some big-time guys, like, didn't even make the night show. Didn't even make the Henry Miller, no night show. Blake Wharton, no night show. Uh, Warden, Warden hurt himself, though. Okay. You, gotta, you have to put an asterisk there. Okay. Uh, main event, though, was uh, AC rode great. Forkner obviously got out front and looked good, and I would have put a lot of money on Forkner winning with that start. Adam was third. Had to work through Sexton and caught him. And uh, I guess Weege kind of – like, okay, Weege, so if there's, a, if there's a, a, a success pie for AC for this race, how much was it? He just rode his balls off, and how much was it Forkner had an off night? Oh, well, I mean, how do you answer that? I like, don't know. That's, that's, problem. that's what I'm asking you. Yeah, Forkner claims that, and he did crash hard and practice again. He's got a perfect season going there. And he says that one finally caught up to him. He just decided, I'm going to go X miles an hour in the boots. I'm not going to go any faster than that. And if I get past, I get past. Go ahead. So that's what he says. Maybe that's what he did. Who's to say that if he did decide to go balls out in the whoops, if he wouldn't have crashed anyway, or maybe he would have gone so fast no one would have caught him? I don't know how you can accurately answer that question. But no matter what he says, and even if he's telling the truth, there's no doubt that this was big for Cincerullo to not only beat him, but to catch him and pass him yeah. to do it. Yeah. Uh, and, and also for what it means with the West Coast, because not really a good night for Nichols. Baccarat got six. He rode well, but he was way back. Like, now all of a sudden he's got a three-win streak and a decent-sized points lead and a big, big feather in his cap here. So this was huge. I don't care what anybody else says. If you're AC, you're leaving right now being like, hmm, this is good. This is really good right now. JT? Yeah, it was impressive. Uh, I thought it was impressive by both Adam and Forkner for different reasons. Dylan rode great, too, so he should be lumped in there. But realistically for me, it was the other two. Adam, you know, he won the race. He deserves a ton of credit. He didn't do anything stupid. He kind of let the race come come to him, and he was great all day. So good for him that he raced. You know, he got a bad start, but he rode really well all day other than that. And then Fortner, for a different reason, because I think he showed a lot of poise and, um, say, wisdom, and he swallowed his pride to kind of realize the bigger picture, which – I didn't know if he was capable of doing. I think everybody that was there when when 
Cincerullo came up on Forkner, you almost expected him just to kind of turn his hat around backwards and send it into some other dimension to try yes. to beat Adam. I agree. Yep. Yep. And he, he didn't do that. He decided, nope, yep, you guys can have it. I'm not going to crash in these whoops because I've already done that a couple times today. And I'm just going to, yep, this is all I have. So if that's not good enough, then that's fine. I'll just extend my points lead and we'll move on to, to Daytona and Good job, Adam. Good job, Dylan. I don't really care what you guys are doing. I'll see you guys at Hangtown. Uh, and, yeah, I, did, I didn't know if he had that in him. I thought he might get caught up in the moment and do something stupid, but he didn't, he didn't and he should be commended for that. 18-point lead for Forkner, uh, 15 for AC, I think. Um, so both guys, yeah, both guys are winners coming out of that race. I, I'd agree with that. And Ferrandis looked good all day, Weege. Ferrandis rode well. Yeah, he did. It's just – this is a weird phenomenon that he has where the nights when he's got it going on, somebody else has a good night. And then the nights where everybody else is doing horribly, he like starts 18th and right. can't take advantage. Yeah. So yeah, he wrote awesome. It, you could maybe argue it's as good as he's ever been, but obviously since Rula was on a game, so it results in still not winning a race. I mean, it just seems like he's won one at some point. He's won a couple outdoors. You know, he's not a young up and coming guy, right. but somehow who he win- still doesn't get this win. Who wins first, Kenny or, or Ferrandis? We'll go Kenny because he's got more chances. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's just hard to right. not think of Kenny as a guy that can win races at any moment, but it is trending in a kind of a weird direction right now. Uh, what was the vibe for the sh- for the shootout? Was it was it exciting? Were you guys stoked? Was it interesting? We still, oh, yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah. The way that – I mean, you couldn't ask for it to materialize. You know, in the back of your mind the whole time, you're like, oh, what if Fortner gets a good start and AC a bad one or vice versa? Mm-hmm. But when you saw it – I mean, they came into the first turn together, battling the whole shot. And, you know, Sexton, he's not necessarily a Fortner fan. He wasn't going to lay down either. Like, those, the, the way that worked out those first few laps, I'm like, oh, it is so right. so I, on right now. Exactly the scenario you want. So I thought it was cool. I got to say, like, I was – Kind of in the camp early on, like, hey, I think Sexton can run with Forkner. He just he's got to get a better start or be right on Forkner. Like you can't give this Forkner kid any gap. And I was like, I think Sexton can do it. Ah, he's been there the last couple of weeks in the heat and in the main, and Forkner's pulled away. So um, he's slightly better than Sexton, I think, right right now. It's well, not a lot. Yeah, I think though. you're seeing Forkner's real potential. Go yeah. ahead. No, it's not a lot. No, but it yeah. is. It's there. Yeah, it's enough. I mean, it's going to be the difference between a championship and not a championship. You know, that's enough. Right. And then Sexton goes into next year as the favorite or a co-favorite with whoever. Um, what else? Uh, uh, so good job for AC. Looking good. Going to fulfill this potential we've talked about, we think, hopefully. He's good at these shootouts. That's three of these things he's won, right? Three shootouts? Yeah, they made a big deal of that on the TV Did broadcast, yeah. and he's won three of them. But I, I feel like this was a different circumstance. You know, he won those other two at the end of the year right. when he wasn't in the points hunt and everybody else was losing their minds in these crazy true. championship scenarios. True. Yeah, true. They are different. Uh, this, was just, this was just straight up. And as JT alluded to, I think it's big that he didn't just win it, but he won it in a very non-Adam Cicero-like way yeah. where he just waited the guys out, figured it out, improved. He was like the veteran smart guy, which yeah. – Waiting a long time for him to finally have that role a little bit. Um, Mosman was good all day. Got himself a spot on my Pulp MX fantasy team. Just, I was on Mosman. Looked good all day, JT. Got ninth in the main. Good job for Mosman. He did. That's that's the best I've seen him look. Uh, although he had a lot of crashes, <laughs> which he crashed twice 
in I'm gonna say when he he crashed, got up, took off, and then within 20 seconds he was on the ground again. Jeez. And at that point I'm like, eh, I don't know how this is gonna go. Even though his lap times are really good, uh, but you know, much like we've seen Forkner this year, the main event, mm-hmm. no problem, not even close to crashing. So yeah, that was by far the best I've seen him look all year. Maybe you know, maybe ever. Well, Marty beat Troll again, Weege. Only two points up now. Yeah, it's getting tense. Uh, this was the worst I've seen Troll look. I, I feel like he's been better than Marty the first couple rounds. Uh, you know, in the results, he beat him sometimes, but not all the time. But this was the first non-frisky Troll that I saw this year. I didn't see any signs. I mean, the start didn't help in the main. Right. But he didn't seem nearly as competitive. Um, he was, he's he been was right there, I feel, with the East guys, but he's, not this time. Are you noticing that? Go ahead, JT. We didn't hear you. Sorry, he was great in time qualifying. I didn't know if you noticed that at all. I, I thought he was up for a really good night because he was fast all day long. And then he even made mention of it uh, on social media that the main event, he had no energy at all. But he looked really good all day leading up to that. Yeah, he did. I mean, I saw him get up to second on the board a couple of times and such. But in the main, like his start wasn't great, but I was waiting to see what would happen. And then every couple of laps I look back and I'm like, dude, he's not going anywhere. He's just oh. losing ground, not gaining ground. I know it's tough to double the talent, but or after he crashed. Uh, it was, it, to me, he wasn't moving up before or after. Correct. Yep. Agreed. Um, well, we're only two up now. That that uh, takeout at uh, the opener really bailing out. Yeah. Control train. Yeah, really helping us out. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what about? But look, let's talk about Marty. Like, Marty is still not Marty. He's gotten better. Nah, he's but... still not Marty. He's still not Marty. Nope. I don't think at any point you would argue that he's as good as the best guy in the class. No, like, if Fortner's no, no. the top guy, no. there's been no... no one is saying Marty's just as good, which has been years, I think, we've been at the point where, no. there's been where no Marty fast... isn't as fast as anyone. No fast qualifying, no heat race wins, no sprinting away like a little Ecuadorian rabbit. None of that. None of that happened. Right. Right. A little, um, a little concerning. Hart, Raft, and Hayes had good nights, 10th and 11th. Uh, you remember it's shootout. So uh, Jordan Smith, not a good night. Did he – he crashed at some point in the main. He was dead last. I don't know if he just got a bad start. Was he on the far inside? I think he was. So Yeah, but I I don't know specifically what the problem is. I think it's still his wrist, but I was, uh, I was told before the race that it was not going to go well. Oh, okay. All right. I wonder if it was a wrist again or something. Yeah, it looked like a struggle fest. Uh. What about a struggle fest of McAdoo on Peters? Oh, oh boy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Ram it. Ram it. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I mean, if I'm Peters, uh, if I'm Peters, I'm probably going over and having some words with Cameron McAdoo. How do you resist having words right there? I mean, they were practically laying on top of each other. Like, yeah. I don't know how you didn't – how do you control yourself? I don't know. Yeah. JT, JT that, as you said, that yeah. track with the ruts, the only way to – to get to someone, you'd have to cross over five ruts. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I think that, to me, that was a the result of inexperience and frustration. I think he, I think to make a move like that, you have to be frustrated that you can't get by. And because otherwise, you, I mean, that move is so blatant. There's only one outcome. Somebody's crashing. You know, obviously, both of them did. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, ill-advised, I would say, is probably the best use of, best term I could apply to it. Bowers is probably wondering where the DQ was. Right? Probably there. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're doing. We're DQing guys now. Where yeah. was it? So. I agree. I agree. I think I think he's getting a warning. That's kind of what I heard. I'm not sure. Wow. But, I would think so. Yeah. I mean, that's not the same as DQ, for sure. Oh, by the way, uh, Pulp MX Racer X Live podcast shows, Denver and Vegas. 
come on out. There, you can, the links are on pulpamex.com. Links are on RacerX Online. So uh, you can uh, hang out with us after the show if you want as well. So live podcast show. We're going to have a special guest presented by Yamaha. So thanks to those guys for stepping up. We're going to have RV now wants money to show up at these, by the way. So he now wants start money, like a European supercross. So we'll see if that happens or not. really having a tough time financially these days, so I can understand it. Absolutely, 100%. You know that, you know, he probably only has 20 million access right now. He doesn't have access to probably 10 million. It's probably tied up. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so please check it out. Those are fun. We had a good time. Kiefer will be there. You two will be there. I'll be there. Yeah, good times. I think Danny Stevenson is in for Denver. Probably 50-50 if he shows up, right? At best. At best? Yeah. What's better, Webb's championship titles or Denny, Denny shows up for Friday night show? Oh, Webb, for sure. Yeah. And you know how I feel about that. Right, right. Um, Stamp it. All right, anything else for 250s? Shootouts? Am I missing something? In my notes? You know, it's only the second time we've had one of these midseason ones in a long, long time. Uh, I, I feel like now that I've seen two of them, it's different than the Vegas one we're used to. Because, again, half the time the Vegas one wasn't even for points. Sometimes it was after these emotional championship battles. So half the riders, you could tell, weren't trying. But when you get midseason and the points are close and you have whatever, 22-some factory riders, it is gnarly. It is tough. Like, you have to almost adjust your standards of what a good result is. And, uh, I mean, just think of that LCQ. You had Lopes, Jimmy D, and McAdoo in it, factory riders, who they're like, I cannot not make the main. Uh, go riding out of their minds, and then it actually cost them, and they ended up crashing and not making it. It is gnarly to have one of these midseason when you, everyone is going to the line, still with hope, still with belief they can do well. Vegas is different. Half the guys are done by the time they line up. Thoughts on Jimmy crazy. D? Thoughts on Jimmy D, we, uh, JT? Of all places, oh. crashing in the sand. Come on, Southwick. Yeah. JT, you have any thoughts? Uh, wasn't good. Then he crashed. <laughs> yeah. Also, he's on my fantasy team. He was fast, though. He was fast earlier in the day. Yeah, he looked good. Yeah, he actually went. Did he go to the top of the board or, or right in it at one point? I thought he went to the top, I think, early. So, I like the handicap. I put him on my team. Well, Didn't make the main. We got a, speaking of fantasy, I, we got a, I got a disturbing text about Jacob Hayes' chances and bailed on it. Come to find out, he actually did really well. So, thanks. He faded a bit. He was uh, he was fifth and a solid fifth, and he faded all the way back to eleventh. So if you wanna hmm. you wanna find some wrath there, because he was on my team and he wasn't able to to hold on to where he was. So well, one point I was gonna make about the shootout it was a for the variance and the chaos that these shootout showdowns could cause. There really wasn't much because. Cincerello only gained points over, you know, a few points over Ferranda, so they stayed the same. And then Forkner didn't gain max points on the rest of his guys because he was third, and then the other guys weren't too far behind, you know. So it was, it wasn't chaotic as far as what it did to the point shakeup at all. It was almost the the calmest result we could have gotten. Okay, so because the West guys were off for four weeks, and because the two West guys caught and passed the two East guys that were one and two is West best right now. Yes. Yes. I mean, right. Weege, that's sort of like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I can't see any way you could argue against that. That doesn't mean when they meet in the nationals that Forkner or somebody else can't win the title or anything, but for sure they showed what was up on that night. Yeah. Just, I thought it was pretty impressive because they were off for so long. Right. And these, the East guys were in, oh. in, in a, 
in a grind. So I think if you look at it and you really you know dive into it, Amart had a horrible night. Uh, Sexton was pretty good. Forkner was pretty good. Jordan Smith dealing with something injury wise. And then the West guys are all kind of firing on all cylinders. Of course, so, it was uh, it was five and five, by the way, in the top ten. Five East, five West. Yeah, I just think the the West guys are, you know, situationally just a little bit in a better position right now. And then obviously they went one two on top of it. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I yeah, I don't think you'd want to start waving a flag and start running around saying the West is the best off one race and how it went. No. But yeah, but interesting. I think for, if if the whoops were different, and maybe maybe even if Forkner just didn't crash and practice in the whoops. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Forkner wins that because I think he, I don't want to say conceded, but I think a little bit. I think a little bit of that was him conceding and just like, yeah, I'm, I'm just not going to crash here. I'm not willing to take the chances they are, and maybe they're just a little better at blitzing tonight than I am. I, I think because I think everywhere else he was just as good. Weeds JT says Forkner is conceded. So, tweet that. Um, all he right. just after the heat race, like his lap time was like a second faster than anyone in the West. Forkner, I'm like, and then once he got the whole shot, I'm like, yeah, this could easily be over. So, I was I was uh, surprised actually. I thought I'm like, he might just be flat out faster, riskier, but faster than anyone else. Right. By the way, one other guy I want to mention. Remember, it wasn't that long ago where Colt Nichols had a real strong case going here. Uh, he ended up getting seventh. I think McElrath caught and passed him from way back. Um, now it's Ferrandis in chase mode on Cincerulo, but it was it was Nichols not that long ago. But it's amazing how quickly that can turn. When yeah. you get a tenth, I think the last time they raced in the mud. Yeah. And yeah. then this ten yep. seven. Yep. Now it's looking a lot different. Yeah, he didn't have any real flash all day. I don't think, from what I could see, following the times and you know. You know what's weird? You've talked about this, I think, in observations, Mathis. We know those Yamahas are incredibly fast, but starts wise, they have not. I, has anyone gotten a whole shot on one of those? I feel like most of the time, I, I guess Nichols did it out of time one. I feel like most of the time those guys are working their way forward, especially Ferrandis. We haven't seen a great start at Justin Cooper, who is like somehow quietly still second in points in East. I feel like they're always working their way forward. I mean, look at Fortner starts and Cincerulo starts. Yeah. In comparison. Uh, by the way, Oldenburg, he's all right or just missed the, just hurt himself in the day? I'm pretty sure he was. Either he was either knocked out cold or close to it. Okay. He had a huge get off in the whoops. Right. Yeah, the whoops and the, the the two triples leading up to the whoops. I mean, the amount of guys that were down all day. It was it was almost nonstop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you saw in the heat race. I think it was Wilson Fleming that had to bring out a red flag and everything. Yeah. The sections claimed a lot of guys, especially the triple triple was hard to get. What the way it was first built, then they made it easier. But then the ruts come in, and then it made it difficult again. Baggett right. said it was like you had to go slow to not – is what Baggett said. He had to go slow enough to not compress his suspension, to not dig pegs in, to be able to jump it. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's advanced Supercross skills right there. Yeah, really. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're on to Daytona. We're on to Daytona. Series about to kick off. Weed, you better get, yep. that, you better get that sweet or I'm not going. I'll stay in the hotel. Yeah, you would do that. Terrible race. Terrible race. Worst race of the year coming up right here, folks. Daytona. It's basically one's about to kick off a five-race win streak and get all those points back. It's coming. <laughs> What'd you say, JT? Series is about to kick off. How could you not go yeah. or not come watch? Yeah. Uh, Catch fever. Brayton. Can Brayton do it again? Weech. I don't know. I would say it's Daytona. That's not really his track, but look what happened. 
<laughs> exactly. Right. Least likely track for this to take place. Yeah, yeah, that's why the sport's awesome for sure. What what if Zacho comes out on wins? Right, could see that. That'd be amazing. Um, I'm curious about Zacho at Daytona. Like, maybe this is what he needs. Maybe this could be his breakout. You know what else likes Daytona is the two-two. What about I wrote a column on MMX Vice this week about the two-two. Like, he keeps acting like it's his last time, his last year. He keeps saying this stuff publicly, but why not keep it going? Are you not familiar with Chad Reed's work? Yeah, what do you mean? Yeah, he says that because he wants everybody to step up and offer him a contract. He's basically threatening to not, to not race anymore. Why, why, would that, why would that be a threat to anybody? He wants everyone to know that he doesn't have a deal, and he needs a deal. Well, I think we all know that. I mean, nobody thinks he's locked in. You that's, no, that's nope. what's happening. Nobody thinks he's locked in long term. We all know the situation that he was under. You know, but, but, he but can, okay. So he can get people talking, and the court of public opinion and and spectators and everybody wanting him to be around. I'm, I'm just telling you that's. But okay, but okay. So he's seventh in the points. He's gotten a podium. He's got a top five. He's really not making any money from JGR. He's making gear money and VIP. Like, why not just extend this thing? I think it's already worked. Do, do you two agree? You mean for next year? Yes, 2020. Uh, JGR, look, look at the night they had. Hill got 11th. Two of their 250 guys didn't even make the main. They got a lot of stuff to sort out. I don't think they're in position right now to be – they got to figure out some freaking results. So I don't think they have the luxury of being like, yeah, we can have chat around because the fans like it. I mean, I think everybody likes the JGR guys. Certainly I do. I'm friends with all them. You know, we could probably all say that about ourselves. They should be. We should be beating on them every week for these results. Like this is terrible, terrible. Yeah, I think you're missing one key component of this deal. Is I don't. I don't think that Chad is willing to just sign for free right now. Like I don't think that's what he's about. Wow. So yeah, I, I fully believe that if you know Chad said, "Hey, just sign me up. I'll ride for free again." I bet they would do that. What's I don't what's think that's, I don't think that's what's the, he making? Four hundred all in. I have no idea, but that doesn't matter. I don't think that's the point. I don't – I mean, JT, JGR has no title sponsor, so I cannot see them, you know, offering up a big salary. But what I'm saying is I don't think that Chad, <clears throat> Chad Reed is willing to sign a contract at the beginning of March for $0. Oh, yeah, no, no. I, I, I'm, But I don't think Reed will have any other option. If he wants to race, and I think he does, and I think he likes it, that will be his yeah, option. I, I would just bet that they're hoping to land sponsors and then find some sort of money. For him to sign right now no. makes no sense. To, on, he, he has No, no, no. I'm not saying right now. I'm just saying, like, theoretically, this thing's worked. This whole thing has worked for both sides. I mean, that, it would make sense for everybody involved to find a way yes, to make this Yes, that's again. what I'm saying. That's, that's my point. Um, I agree. And we j- but don't you feel like you're Suzuki? You're probably at getting to the point where you're like, uh, guys, can we get some results here? So it doesn't, to me, put you in the mood of, hey, this Chad Reed thing is working out as far as it's popular and it's cool. Like, we need to figure out a way to get, to, to win races oh, and be contenders. I know Chad just got a podium, but we need to it's possible it. by the end of the year there will be one podium. Well, it's not Chad's job to get. Yeah, I would think that's, that's much more in the hands of what do they do with Justin Hill and can Weston race again. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, problem. yeah, and to be fair, Weege, hammering them on results, I mean, they thought they had Weston Pike. And they decided to I know. Them. But the priority isn't 
I think, let's get this guy signed up now so we can have this cool thing for the fans. It's got to be like, we'll figure that out later. We have got to start winning or contending well, for wins. That's not okay, the but, priority right now. we got a problem, and it's we can't well, get results. Well, okay, but to be— Forget the fan thing right now. That's okay. cool, sure, but that's, that's priority B. Hold on. J-Bone, yeah. I did a podcast with J-Bone, a very good podcast earlier this year, the only really best podcast out there at all that, on the Racer X Network. And uh, okay. J-Bone said, like, we're over spending big money. We got burnt by Justin Barsha. We got not burnt, but whatever. We didn't. James Stewart didn't work out. Justin Barsha didn't work out. Millsaps didn't work out. We're done with that. We think we think that we think that getting fifth and sixth and not spending huge money, but having good fan presence and having good, you know, overall presentation is where we're going to go from now on. Coy is over that. that. Those were his words. The problem is. You, you've worked for these teams. You've worked for race teams. JT, you've been in these trucks. I feel like that always makes sense on paper and it sounds good, but it's the same thing I'm saying about Webb in this championship. These people are all too competitive to be finishing 11th or 12th every weekend and leave and say, ah, it's all good because we're not spending the money. No. These teams all feel like crap. If Tomac gets 6th, he feels like crap. Wow. If Roxanne gets 4th, he feels like crap. They're, if Hill gets 11th, they feel like crap. They don't have that's the horses, to say. so it's hard to do. they need to get 5ths and 6ths, not 11ths. I agree with that. Well, that's right. So I think that's what I'm saying. That's it's, priority one right now. It's super, Who can we freaking get to get a 5th for us? Well, the autograph lines are cool, but real right now the goal is to get 5th. And I know Reed just got a 3rd. Right. But if you look at the results for the year, that's, at the moment at least, a bit of an outlier. He's not a reliable podium guy. I mean, JT, got one. JT if only anyone could see that this Hill thing wasn't going to work out. All right, to me, that's the elf in the room. I mean, that, I wouldn't even – to me, Chad's not even in the conversation of what are we worried about. Justin Hill is where I would be concerning all my efforts. If only, like, a bunch of people weren't saying, like, what the hell? Well, and, and couple that with the fact that Justin Hill's not cheap. They they had to pay him to get him. You know when he had he signed this deal when he had the number one plate coming out of 250 class. So he's he's making good money. So I that's to me is a is a real problem with his results. Yeah. Well, it's be interesting to see. I just I I think this Reed thing has worked for both sides. Keep it going. Keep it rolling. Chad so, did say in the press conference last week that he would like to do one more year. By the way, he needs to end it at 20, 2022. He will continue to play this out as long as they will keep him around. He loves doing this. He loves being Chad Reed, motocross star. Loves it. <laughs> uh, I think we ended at 2022. That's when we ended. 22. 40 years old, I think he'd be. I think, I think he'd be 40. Let's do it. He's turning 37 Perfect. next week, and he, he just got a podium eight days ago or nine days ago. I don't, I don't see any reason why he can't keep racing until he's not doing well. Like, I don't care how old he is or how long he wants to do it. That's his prerogative, if, if his favorite thing to do is keep racing Supercross and he's capable of getting results, more power to him, just like Tom Brady. Uh, who cares? I don't care how old you are. If you're capable of getting it done, good for you. Yeah. So keep it going. We're good, JGR. Sign him up. I think the good thing for Reed here is I, I still feel like the podium is a bit of a stretch. Of, that, that did happen, but it's not going to happen consistently. But I don't feel at any point – last year he was hurt and that was embarrassing – but he has not embarrassed himself oh, hell at no. any point this year. Hell no. So, yes. Uh, the Dungey year, you know, he's a lap rider holding somebody up. That's embarrassing. But, uh, yeah, I think if he could maintain this, even if it's not podium anymore, even if it's, you know, he's been solid. He's yeah. been okay. At no point you're like, this is sad. No. I think the real, the real fight and the real internal struggle is that Chad 
is keenly aware of his worth as far as in the you know public perception, autograph lines, how popular he is. He's a legend of the sport. All that is undeniable. But when it comes time for companies to put their money where their mouth is and write checks to him, his age becomes the determining factor. And he really struggles with that. He has, I mean, I don't want to use the word bitterness, but he, he really dislikes that fact of it is that companies are willing are unwilling to invest in him heavily because of his age and they don't see a long future of recouping that investment that's been a, a sore subject with him so if there is any any reason he would walk away and not do this anymore it would be over it's not worth it to him anymore financially that that's where i think you're going to see it because i think he enjoys every other aspect of it but i know over the last couple of seasons that's where it's been difficult for him is that he feels like he is worth more than guys that are getting paid much more than he is and there's a real disconnect between he and the person writing the check at that well, point. I don't think, I don't think his days of a big salary are long gone. I don't care. Yeah, but he doesn't. Yeah. Well, That's okay. where the disconnect is, he th- he feels well, he should be drawing a very large paycheck still. In my opinion, just from talking to, hearing him, hearing his comments, and hearing other people around well, him's comments, that he feels he should be drawing a big paycheck because he's worth that much in, you know, people coming to see him and people listening and his influence. But I just don't think that's what companies feel is the, is the truth. Well, we each tell Davey, I don't feel like my worth is being represented at Racer X. So <laughs> I feel like I need more. We each. Faith card. Faith yeah. card. Yeah. Right. Or probably be the, the problem is I hear all this stuff about, I mean, I've heard it for 20 years, stuff about PR or autograph lines, or now it's all about social media and blah, blah, blah. It's never been about any of that. They just look at results, and they pay people based on results for the most part. There are a few other factors here and there. But all I keep hearing about is social media, social media. Show me who's getting paid because of that. They're getting paid. Okay. Well, how's that going? (laughs) Uh, So I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for these alternative sources. My perfect example is Kevin Windham in his latter years. Everybody loved him. He's the most popular guy in the races. I remember Jeff Myshack from Geico Honda saying, yeah, but – it's he can still win. That's why. That's why. That's why he's getting what he's getting because he can still win. PR is a nice bonus, but no one's getting paid for PR. Now the good thing for Reed is that he doesn't believe his only worth is PR. Right? His wow. his he still thinks he's a podium guy, and he now has one he can hang on the wall to say that. But in the end, the teams are just looking for results. So I feel again, if you're go if you're JGR and you're going to Suzuki and you're like, hey, how do we get this Reed thing figured out for next year? Suzuki's going to say, are you serious? But I just told you what J Bone said. They're overpaying just big not money. A priority right now. They're overpaying big money. I get it. It's it's just not the priority right now. The priority is how do we get Hill good or somebody else that's going to get us results? We'll figure out the read thing later. Uh, can you not see 100% Joey Savacci going there next year? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Why? Why? Why would they? Why would that happen? Because the social media is autograph lines, or yeah. because oh, yeah. I think we can get good results with this guy. Yeah, social media. You sound like me. Think, with, you sound like me with the jerk off agents talking about getting on X Games. Like you sound, yeah, I, show I, me. I'm with you on it. Show I'm me on it. I'm tired of hearing about social media. <laughs> show me the money. Show me the money. Likely candidate up there would be uh, Dean Wilson as well. Yeah, I'd say Dean. By the way, is finally did finally get some sponsors with the awesome social media. So good. Somebody finally broke. Uh, broke or cracked the code or broke through, but uh, couldn't you see JGR going Savachi Wilson though going young? Do you going guys that are certain, certainly yeah. capable? I, I could just see that. See do that you do you results? Yeah. Do, do you think yeah. the fact that Dino's yeah. turned him down two or three times would come into it or no? Nobody cares. No. Okay. I right. think so. 
I just think that proves that they like him. Okay. All right. Uh, all yeah. right. Anything else, boys? Fly racing? Racerx podcast? Nope. Uh, Luke, Daytona. Hey, uh, Daytona Vintage Supercross. Come hang out with us. I'm not going to be here. Here starting. But, yeah, it, um, that's, uh, that seems like a cool event. I'm into old bikes. I built three of these things, so that seems like a really cool event. Jeff Stanton yeah. will be there. So. so we can count on you being there on Tuesday? <laughs> no, I'll just, I just need video and stuff and all that. Okay, got it. Uh, what about, oh, by the way. There will be lots of social from Racer X, don't you worry. <laughs> yes, I'm sure there will be. Uh, by the way, <laughs> Luke Perry passed away. Oh. I just saw this. Luke Perry. Oh, wow. Dude. He's 52. 52 years old. He had a stroke. I saw that, but I didn't know he passed away. Yeah, 52. Damn, RIP Luke Perry. Dylan Walsh. Okay. Uh, we're on to Daytona. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Fly Racing, Maxis, Slick Wash, uh, Alpine Stars for coming on also, and uh, Wygant, Thomas, thank you, boys. We'll, we'll see you this week in Daytona. See you guys. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. I was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbet is that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, it, if it hadn't been there. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That's absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled fifth and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. 
Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years go on.